good morning and um, thanks for turning up in such force for the second uh, judging panel um, i'm very impressed um this panel is called uh, being human um i'm laura swinton i'm the editor-in-chief and md at little black book um an international uh, creative news platform uh, and i'm joined by a fantastic panel of really interesting judges um, we have got Greet Jans, uh, who is creative, creative Director of Experience Design at Publicist Sapient and Digitas, and she was on the Digital Design Jury. Uh, we've got Joe Barnard, founder of Maroma, who was on Product Design. Um, then we've got Kate Dawkins, Jury President, an actual Jury President, this is exciting, uh, on Experiential. She's Founder and Creative Director of Kate Dawkins Studio. And right at the very end, we've got John Biggs, who's on the Digital Marketing Jury, and he's ECD at MediaMonks. Um, so very seemingly different juries, perhaps, uh, but they're all linked by a theme, which is, interactive and experiential um, events and projects, products, services, are all connecting brands with people using technology and data. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about um, whether technology can really ape that human touch and uh, what we look for in the work that wins. Um, but before we get stuck into the jury discussion, we're going to have a look at some work that uh, each of the jury members thought was really interesting. Then we'll discuss it afterwards. Cool. Kia ora. These little things have changed the world. They let me talk to my family when I'm on the road and find out almost anything with just a tap. But all of this technology and access to information isn't without its sacrifices. The globalization of communication plays a big role in shrinking our native languages. Did you know that a language dies on average every 14 days? Our native language, Te Reo Māori, is under pressure and the more help we can give it, the better. What if we could use the same smartphones that are hurting indigenous languages to help make them stronger? Kupu is an app that translates the world around you into Te Reo Māori. Kita. That's the Māori translation for Gita. The app combines Google's cloud vision and translate APIs, along with the Aka Māori dictionary data, to give the Māori language translation for photos you take on your phone. It serves up the most likely translation, the more options to explore. And Kupu can play audio examples to help with pronunciation. Kupu was launched in New Zealand for Māori Language Week by taking simple visual translation across the country on TV, online, and on the street. Take a photo of an object, and it will tell you the Māori name. And then you can click on a little sound button next to it, and it will do the pronunciation. So glass is... Karaihe. Karaihe. New Zealand has fallen in love with kupu. In just the first few weeks, we've sent it straight to the top of the app charts, used it to teach our children in schools... Lapati. And we've translated and shared millions of photos. And the best part, kupu is to be made available free to use with any indigenous language anywhere in the world. Kupu. Take a photo, learn a language.
Okay. And I think we're going to watch the next piece of work now. ALS Ice Bucket, bring it on! Creating awareness and being an advocate is what I wanted to do. Every August, until a cure. One of the hardest things about ALS is losing the ability to speak. I don't want to sound like a computer. I want to sound like me. To give Pat his voice back, we had to look beyond existing technology, which limits patients to pre-recorded phrases or words mechanically stitched together. This is my voice, which I spent an hour a day for months reporting. With less than two hours of ice bucket interviews, we used a custom deep learning algorithm to analyze the unique DNA of Pat's voice, completely recreating it and integrating it with his eye tracking device. For the first time in over a year, Pat could speak freely and naturally in his own voice. Time to say goodbye to this computerized voice. It's a strange feeling saying your first words a second time. Oh my God. It's like you don't even realize how powerful, how personal and just how unique your voice really is until it's taken from you. Guess who's back, bitches? I mean, that is just highly emotional stuff. It's absolutely life-changing. Like they have him back, you know, yes. to hear his voice again. That is just a marvel. If you have ALS, head to projectrevoice.org today. This will change how people live with ALS forever. And just for some context, so the next images we're about to see um, are a selection of entries from the product design jury. Uh, so that's uh, an iPad Pro. We know what that looks like. Um, I think the next one is the pencil. Um, which we also have. Oh, I can't pick it up. <laughs> and um, the final one is uh, the Xbox adaptive controller. So we'll talk a little bit more um, about those uh, when we get to the discussion, but this is what it looks like. Um, and I want to have a go on it now. <laughs> um, and can we just take a look at the final piece of work, please? Welcome to your Monday edition of This Morning. Now, as you can see, we're starting the show outside today, and that's because of a very special reason. Every single week in Britain, 84 men take their own lives. Those numbers can sometimes be hard to visualise. Well, that's why today we're unveiling 84 sculptures, each representing a real man who has taken his own life in the hope that it will stop people in their tracks and get them talking. Archie was 20 when he died. I lost my brother to suicide. Like seven years now since my son took his life. 
I'm here with my sisters because we lost our dad. Sometimes until it's at your front door, you, you don't think about it enough. Passers-by in central London on Monday got a strange sight. 84 men standing on the rooftops of office Project towers. 84, a campaign to raise awareness of male suicide. But it turns out the men were statues, all part of a demonstration for suicide awareness. It's incredibly powerful. It stopped me dead in my tracks. It's such a statement. Everybody's talking about male suicide now. Project 84 campaign highlights the horrifying figure that male suicide is the biggest killer of men under 45. There is no question Project yeah. 84 um, has stolen the show and the week. I mean, I've never seen anything like for all the years we've been here at the tower to see those statues uh, on top of the building, everybody stopping and just looking up. as the Minister for Suicide Prevention, the first time a government has had a minister appointed to such a post. Okay, so that was quite, um, quite a range of work there. Um, yeah, great. I'd love to start with you. What was it about uh, Kupu that really uh, struck you and the jurors and what was the conversation around it? Uh, it's been a while since an app or a website excites people. Like, we've gone through a lot of websites and we've seen a lot of apps. And like in, especially from an experience design point of view, often there's a lot of complexity and like in things added on. And what like in I and, and most of the other juries really loved about it is the, the real simplicity of it. It was just, I brought it actually along so I can, can, can demo it on the audience. But like in seeing the video was one thing, but as soon as we got it in our hands, we just started snapping things. And what is beautiful about it is that it sees like in the different objects on a picture. So it's not just focusing on one thing. If I take a picture of you, like in it might see you as a human, but it sees all the rest there wow. as well. So it is like in very exploratory, and it, it's just beautifully crafted. It is like in, for me, the best example of what experience design should be about, like in, like not to talk to my, like, like it's, it's not complex, it's, it's simplified to the purest thing, it's supporting the whole thing, and it looks beautiful design-wise. And, you know, talking about being human, it's human on two levels, because like you said, it's got that really intuitive yeah, yeah. Uh, user experience and design. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know the the theme of it is it's a it's trying to tackle a very yeah. human concern, yeah. which is that technology globalization shrinks the planet, and you know we perhaps yeah. risk losing some of our cultural heritage. Absolutely, absolutely, it's doing that, and I, I see it even growing beyond what it is doing now because it's open source, which is beautiful. And like in, I'm trying to teach my daughter foreign language. I'm, I'm, clearly not English, um, and like in, I even see it being used in that context, so it is supporting you with minority languages to be teached about, to be forgotten about part of the culture, and like in, 
uh, Duolingo and, and like you know, Google Translate, with all due respect, are just not collaborative tools and they're not as engaging as this is. So it, it's and that came from an agency as well, not a technology yeah. platform. Yeah. Um, and so in the jury room, so you do have time to really get hands-on and yeah. play with the experience. We spent three days in a jury room, <laughs> um, three, three long days, but it's it beautiful. And like in some entries, like in we, we were like little children, kind of thing, trying it out, being proper excited that we, we could explore it. And yeah, you should have you should have seen us. Like it's 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 like in really trying them out, and and it took. Like we took that in consideration as well. For us to be able to get yellow, we really needed to understand that it worked yeah. or that the message was there. And um, so talking about emotion um, and that joy, uh, John, so your choice was Project Revoice. And that is, I remember the first time I saw that case study video and I cried and I interviewed the creatives and I cried. <laughs> so it was a very emotional project. <laughs> I, yeah, I, we, I didn't cry massively in the jury room, but perhaps we should have more. Um, I think what was really interesting to me about Project Revoice was obviously both at work and in the jury room, especially in digital marketing, technology is such an integral part of everything in there. We spent so much time actually looking past the technology back to the things that make a bit of work relate to people. Do they make you laugh, cry, smile? And actually, that's what was really lovely with Project Revoice, because obviously, it has this lovely sort of, I'm going to call it a duality of it. So the project itself, the thing that made it brilliant was nothing to do with the AI. The AI didn't have the idea to give a human being their voice back. A person sat in a room and went, these people are going to lose their voice, a thing that makes them human. Let's find a way to give them their voice back. That's a decision that a computer can't make yet. People make those kind of decisions. And that's the thing that makes it lovely. But then on the other side, you have a computer that's actually given something to someone that makes them fundamentally human. And, but what's, what I think is interesting with Project Revoice, it's come at a, a time, um, it came out, I think, within days of the, or weeks anyway, of the Times JFK project, which was also about recreating voice. Um, this year we've seen things like uh, the David Beckham malaria ad, which was all about using AI to recreate voices and faces. So this technology has a really positive yeah. application, but I think we can all see the potential, uh, you know, for quite scary applications in the context of fake news and things. Yeah. And is that something that you discuss with projects like this? We did. We didn't in the jury because I don't think it, and we didn't have a project that really fitted into that world. But I think it's something we all. <laughs> We're all discussing what we do at work and how much you actually, we're sort of starting to create ideas every day where you actually go, well, let's just fake this completely and make it, make it up. And then I think that's when it comes to that sort of bigger, I think sort of something that Tony was talking about in the last session, actually that bigger responsibility of actually being human with what we do and understanding that it has impact on other people rather than just taking the easy option. We did it, we did it a bit in the jury room with different things and we, we killed ideas that we didn't think hit the values that we should be having of a jury. Oh, really? And I think that's the type of responsibility we need to start having when we're using technology like mm. this. Because so often it feels like the creative and marketing space is a really exciting playground for a lot of these new technologies. Um, but we perhaps don't 
think about our responsibilities and regulations and things like that? Yeah, I think so. And to be fair, I've probably made as much <laughs> sort of fluff with technology as anyone else. So <laughs> I think there's sort of room for that. But I think more, more than anything with it, it's that technology for technology's sake thing is where it always falls apart in the end. And it's so easy to fall into that trap of actually finding a bit of technology and latching onto it and making that the idea. Mm. And I think the, the best bits of work coming back into what we saw in digital marketing maybe even killed technology halfway through. They maybe had a technology idea that went, and then actually it wasn't what made That's the idea it. strong. And they were strong enough to say, actually, let's not make this about a tool. Let's make this about an idea that helps someone. And I think moving on to the, the product design, I mean, you've chosen two, I think, very, I mean, on the surface similar, but very different um, products. I mean, the iPad's an, an iteration, really, of something that exists. So, so is the controller, but it's just tackling a need that just hasn't been tackled before. Yeah, I think, I mean, as, as designers, we really want to, to be the designer behind this. I mean, we want to be able to say that you know, we worked on this uh, and it's held up as, you know, some of the most incredible design and technology um, in the world. And yet, it's so inaccessible for so many people. I mean, price aside, it, it requires dexterity, it requires ability. And, and then on the other side of it, you've got an interface as well. Um, and, but it has given joy and creativity and uh, social kind of opportunities to people who have just for so long not been able to do and to use. We those. should probably explain a little bit. I mean, I don't know if many people are familiar with the adaptive controller. Um, there was a really beautiful Super Bowl spot around it, but I just don't know if you could explain what it is and what it's for. Um, I'm sure we've all seen the kind of traditional PlayStation or Xbox um, controllers. Uh, they haven't changed in the design for quite a while, and but they're completely. Um, inaccessible for people who perhaps only have one hand or limited mobility or um, kind of disability in not just that, well, potentially like they knew their entire body. Uh, and so Xbox have come up with, with this as a solution and basically it, you know, it simplifies that. But it's not just what's on here. Every single one of these ports on the back allows you to input and something else to then control up down, left, right, A, B, and so it's kind of completely open source in the way that you can kind of hack it. You know, so if you, there's an amazing video which you should definitely have a look at on YouTube, which explains this, and it's somebody playing um, playing the Xbox who has is paralysed from from the neck down, and yet they've got um, you know they've got buttons attached to their headrest on their um, on their wheelchair, and they've plugged them in to the back of this controller, and it has allowed them to play at the same level, uh, the same games as everybody else just by moving their head around. And like, that's something that's just like, not been accessible to them for so long. And it seems so silly because technology that's inside this is so simple. Mm. And yet designers are trying to pack more and more and more into a smaller space. And it's, I mean, it's kind of taps into what, what John was saying. It took a human to, to figure out that was a need that needed to be filled and a degree of empathy. Mm -hmm to sort of think, oh, what would it be like if you want to play a game and you can't, you know? That's a, that's a very human drive. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we use game playing uh, to, to build kind of relationships and from, from like the word go. I mean, that's the first thing we do at school is play games with each other and that's how we build our relationships. And to, to kind of give that to people is, is just absolutely beautiful. And 
I mean, we, as you know, as in the industrial design agency industry, um, we're all trying to design the next Apple product, and we should really be turning our attention to designing the next adaptive controller. That's really inspiring. <laughs> and um, you know, the final piece of work um, from uh, Kate that Kate chose, um, another really emotive piece. Now, um, you were on the experiential jury. Everything we've seen so far has been um, had a highly technological aspect to it. Um, and I know your background, you work a lot in a sort of digital technological sort of space, and yet what you've chosen it's not very techy at all, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. Um, I think it's interesting, you know, what John said, and we, we, we saw a lot of work, and, uh, you know, I, I think what it was with this is, is, is it's just a really beautiful idea, and I just, you know, to, to remind everybody what our criteria is, it's, it's, a, it's a good idea executed really well uh, and fit for purpose, and I think, you know, looking at this project, it's sort of for me, it hit, you know, every one of them. And it's, uh, you know, Tony mentioned it earlier about something that's sort of the start of a journey. This installation, which, as you say, is not, is not you know, is not embedded with, with technology in its, in its core idea, is, is just so beautiful. And, and there's, a, there's a sort of huge beauty in its sadness. And it's, it's such an important sort of cause to get people talking. The, the idea of just putting sort of 84 men on the building. Now, I know Anthony Gormley has done this. This is one of the actual contentious things that uh, slightly split our, our jury, only to a point of discussion, may I add, but it was something that was brought up. But obviously, what was felt about this, that it was this, that there, it was absolutely, you know, intrinsically linked in the uh, message that they were trying to get across. And I think the important side of it as well is, is the fact that, you know, this just wasn't just, you know, a load of dummies that were put up on a building. Mm. This was, you know, Mark Jenkins doing what he does really beautifully, involving the families in, in their pain and suffering to make these, these sort of and, these people to put up there. And conversely, I mean, did you see in the entries a lot of experiences that used new technology for the sake of it, oh, it's AI or it's whatever. There was loads, there was loads, and there was actually, um, you know, and as you say, I, 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 you know, I, I think technology is fantastic and it's, it's uh, brilliant for advancing sort of experiences and it's all great fun, but I think there were, there were some that we, we, we sort of lost what we were even watching because it was sort of, and then we did this, and then we did this, and then we did this, and it was like, I don't know what's actually happening. So I think that, you know, with the project that we, that we chose, there's a, there's a core simplicity and strength to its, its, its idea and outcome. And, I mean, just for all of our jurors, I mean, when you're looking at projects that do have that highly um, technological um, or innovative aspect, as a jury, how tricky is it to pick apart, you know, is, are they leaning too heavily on this technology? Should it be more hidden? Like the Kupu, the technology is really complex, but it's hidden. Mm. How tricky is that to, to pull apart? I'll start with you, John. Well, we had a completely other example where the technology was key and we, like, like 
I don't know if that you want me to go in examples, but there was the astronaut helmet, which, which has gone viral. And like, and we were all flapping around, um, <laughs> then experienced it. And we have had a lot of debates whether we flapped around so much because we just like in like the build up and yes, it's here and we can try it out and then see the VR thing or like in, if we really enjoyed the experience throughout and if it wasn't like tech driven compared to the examples which were like in facilitated by tech and those are the strongest, the ones where you're liking, you haven't used the tech to demonstrate something, but like you've done it the other way around and, and, and that, that was the core criteria. That, uh, but yeah, it was sometimes difficult to pull it apart because you see something, you get excited and then you need to figure out if you get excited for the right <laughs> reasons. And what about uh, you, John? Was it? I think it was sort of the luxury of um, having 10 different people in the jury room because you, you're sitting there and you're fixated that something's brilliant and then someone says something very simple that you haven't noticed and you go, it's dead. And, but that, that's what in it works. Bin. 10 very different people who just notice different things. And you can make decisions really quickly and easily based on just chatting together about it. And, and what about with the product design? I, I think. The great thing about the, the, the judging criteria is each of the questions is so important. Is it inspiring? You can be inspired by technology and what we can we do with technology, but then the other question is, is it fit for purpose? And ultimately, if it doesn't serve a need, if it doesn't bring something to the table, then it, it just it kind of full drops off immediately. And it, like you say, it just takes one person to really be like, well, but, but why? Uh, do we, like, what does this achieve? And suddenly you're like, nothing. <laughs> uh, and, and I think that that's, that's the thing is to say, it, does it matter if you shave half a millimeter off an iPad or if, I mean, well, maybe, but, but there are some, you know, there, there are so many products mm. out there now that it's just like, well, you know, especially with sustainability being such a big issue, we really have to be careful about what we're bringing into the environment and what we're bringing into this world. And, and I think those, all of those judging criteria are so important. And with the experience as well, so you, you know, some of these experiences are um, more analog than others, mm. but the tricky thing is you can't actually experience the experience no, when you're say, judging. I was talking about this this morning, and one of the things, obviously, we're, we're judging on a, uh, a, a two-minute presentation film um, and any external knowledge that we get in the inf info, um, which is always going to be difficult because we're, as you say, we're judging experiences based on not experiencing them. But um, the the one thing that we suddenly realised, and I think you're, you're right about sort of being sat in a room and suddenly your your whole sort of um, you know mindset that you'd come come to suddenly gets open and and and, and sort of tweaked. But was the fact that we we had to we had to make sure that we weren't falling for the presentation film. Yeah. The presentation films have suddenly got very very slick. I um, think there's a whole category yeah, for like worst one. ideas yeah, with the best yeah. presentation but some films. Of them, some of them we did have to actually question what we were seeing <laughs> in it because we weren't altogether sure it was real. So uh, yeah, the presentation films have got a little bit too slick and uh, <laughs> perhaps we're taking over from the idea. So. That's the good thing about products, you get to see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah you get exactly. to touch it. Yeah, as, soon as, yeah. as soon as it's there on the table, yeah, and yeah. Actually, we, we and even had the opposite of a very bad presentation film and then liking, yeah, but getting right, excited again of trying it out which is that's, what it should yeah, be that's but how it should be. Yeah. yeah exactly and, okay so i think we've chatted so much that i don't think there's even any time for questions i'm afraid um but if you've got any burning questions i'm sure um the jury will be around um 
I'm just volunteering, you now for free conversation. And Kate's got to run off as well. But thank you so much for listening to our amazing judges. I think we had some great insights. Thank you very much. And thanks to the panel.